welcome to our latest In The Know podcast. My name is Neil Clark and I'm joined today by Chris Brown, who is a partner and chief investment officer of IPS Capital, who are one of our investment partners. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Hi. Right. Um, Chris, in your latest market update that you issued in the last few days, you highlighted four risk events that you felt were more likely to be positive for the markets in the short to medium term than they would be negative. Would you perhaps like to expand upon those for us, please? Yeah, so we we first wrote this at the beginning of the quarter, so the beginning of October, and we were looking forward basically for this quarter. And this is on the website, by the way, so I'm not trying to be clever after the event. We, we wrote mm-hmm. this so you can go and see it at the beginning of October. But we said that we thought there were four things on the horizon which were pretty reliably going to turn up, which was the sort of the first one was the second wave, the second wave of the virus and how it was spreading, particularly in Europe. Then you had the US election, you had Brexit. And at some point we thought a vaccine would arrive. And long story short, we thought the second wave risk was a negative because it was growing. And as long as the virus is expanding and growing, you have a problem, right? Because you mm-hmm. never quite know when it's going to stop. It's hard to predict the turning point. And you could see yeah. that it was growing in Europe. So that that was a risk to us. But mm-hmm. the other three, the US election, Brexit and the vaccine, we all leaned positive. So we thought you would be more likely to see positive surprises than negative surprises. And what that meant, I'll get into those events and what's happened, but what that meant yeah. at the beginning of the quarter was we took a little bit more risk. So we did two things. One is we put on some European equities. And then secondly, we put on a bit of high yield credit in terms of it and sold some government bonds. Both those things are taking a bit of risk, basically, right. backing our view a bit. So that's what we thought then. If I roll forward to what's happened so far, the second wave was probably worse than we thought back when we wrote that note. But equally, if you look at the government response, it has been very much focused on keeping businesses going, keeping schools open, all that kind of thing, and yes. cutting down, yeah. if you like, on the fun. So it seems like the impact's going to be much less than the first lockdown. Um, the US election, however, that one we thought back then that it was likely that a Democrat would win. There, Biden was about a 90% chance going into this thing to win. Now, he won it, but it was tight. And it turned out that that is actually quite a good outcome for markets. And the reason is that um, it still looks most likely to us that you're going to have a Democrat president with a Republican Senate. And so what that means is what people were worried about with Um, if it was an all-Democrat-controlled U.S. government was, you'd see a reversal of the tax cuts the Republicans put through. So now it looks to us like those tax rises that Biden would like to do are pretty much off the menu for now anyway. And the benefit you get is you get less Trump-type uncertainty, which is particularly good for trade wars, so particularly good for Europe, particularly Mm. good for China. And you should still get some stimulus, probably less stimulus than you would have got, but you're going to get some stimulus, no tax rises, less trade wars. That's a good outcome for markets. So 
we were surprised, if I'm honest, by how close it was. And we were worried a bit that um, if it was super close and contested, it could be like a risk event for markets, a problem. In fact, the fact it was close turned out to be quite a good thing. So sometimes it's right. It's good in this business to be right for the wrong reasons sometimes. And that's how I feel <laughs> we were under your If I'm honest. Yeah, yeah no, it works, doesn't it? Can I just ask about that US position, um, Chris, and, and, and more to do with question marks over the potential stimulus and the impact that might have on on the American economy? Yeah. So um, this gets in, actually, this links in a bit to the vaccine news that we saw on Monday. But basically, if you look at the year to date, what you have seen is that the winners of a kind of lockdown, if you like. So technology-focused companies in particular have done particularly well. So the yeah. Nasdaq is up a lot. And then the more geared old economy type things, which would include energy, but also include hotels and banks have really struggled. And what we saw in the run-up to the election was that's starting to reverse a bit. So people thought more Biden will get in, there'll be more stimulus. And so some of these more beaten up things will do okay. Now, if I fast forward to the vaccine, so on Monday, um, news came out about this Pfizer vaccine working well. Yeah. And that was important because, A, it was a news announcement on a vaccine, but also it's mm. one of a class of vaccines. There's a few that look similar. Mm-hmm. And generally, that gave the market a bit more certainty that one way or another, a vaccine would arrive probably meaningfully at the beginning of next year, so first, second quarter next year. So, yeah. so for instance, Yesterday in the US, hotels were up, hotel REITs were up about 30%. So just to be put this in context, so the US market was up 1%, just over 1% yesterday. Under the hood of that, some of the more geared sectors like hotel REITs were up 30%, and and healthcare was down, for instance. Right. And if you look at the if you look at the UK, um, just to pick on a couple of things. Yesterday, BP, which is the energy company, was up 15%. And Peloton, which is, you know, that home mm. exercise yeah. bike thing, which was yeah. perfect for the lockdown, was down 20%. Zoom, teleconference thing, that was down 17%. So long story short, the US election plus the vaccine news has given people more confidence that we're going to start to normalise a bit faster than people thought. And some of the beaten up stuff, has recovered. It's recovered a lot in the last few days, literally. So as I said, BP up 15% in a day. Now, to put that into context, if you look at the year, BP is down over 50% still for the year, having been up 15%. And Peloton is up 230% for the year, even though it's fallen 20. So, so there's a still a long way to go on this, but we've certainly seen a bit of a reversal. And I think, you know, for our portfolio, as part of the Certainly that European equity trade we put on was partly designed to capture some of this. So we've captured some of it. But, you know, I think there's probably still some more to come. That's good. Good to hear. There's been a tremendous amount of, of central bank stroke government support, QE, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of talk about potential risk of inflation. How do you see that panning out? OK, so the first thing I would say is that my job is not to um, be a high priest of what is right and wrong. No, no, no. In the markets, the job here is to make money. So in a sort of brutal sense. So mm. um, 
So in the short term, I will, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is what we think in the short term. I think about the long term, but in the short term, this is what we think. You've seen just unprecedented. I mean, I know this is a cliche, but unprecedented government support. So the, just the German um, support program for the economy was 50% of GDP. Mm. And that's just fiscal. And that's without central banks printing money, So, um, which is there as well. So there's QE is obviously there. So what that has meant is the performance of companies has been unlike anything we've ever seen before. So in Q1, the US economy was down around 30%. Now that's really down 8%, and then you sort of annualize it. But the headline number was down about 32%, I think. That is the most serious recession we've seen since the Great Depression, right? Yeah. But if you if you look at um, corporate credit performance, so so how many companies have gone bust so far this year, you will see that not only is the amount of insolvencies below the amount we saw in the last recession, which was 2008, the amount of insolvencies is below last year. So we are in the middle of the biggest headline recession that anyone has ever lived through. And corporates are performing better than they did in the year before, which was a good year. So so from a kind of opportunity perspective or a short term perspective, there's this opportunity that I think is there in corporate credit, which is partly why we added it. And and it's there and, you know, and it's a way to make money. And, and the stimulus is working, I suppose, is what I'm saying. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you can profit from it. Now, the longer term impact of this, right, will this lead to inflation? I don't know, Neil. Right. But if you look at, if you, all I would think about is that when we look at the next 12 months, which is a bit what I think will drive markets, what we see is high unemployment a lot of spare capacity, and some industries are not going to come back. So you may pick a few. I'm not sure about cinemas. There's a few others that are not going to come back, and that will involve people losing their job permanently and needing a new job. Generally, higher unemployment with businesses going out of business for good is not an inflationary environment. So, So in the short term, we don't see it. Now, in the longer term, it's possible, but then we should talk a bit about, you know, that links into inflation, expected inflation, cash rates, that kind of thing. So, well, um, yeah, it, it does, because the, the, the opposite of inflation is, is deflation, of course, and, and that potentially could lead to negative interest rates. Where there's a lot of talk about that yes. in, in markets at the moment. What, how, how do you see that? Yeah, so we, I mean, I start from the view that um, bond markets are correct. Not that they're perfect, but mm. they're as good a predictor of the future as you're going to get. Now, people, everyone has their opinion, right? But the bond market's done a pretty good job of predicting what's going to happen. By the way, the bond market is predicted for the last 10 years, low growth, no rising interest rates, and inflation not really a problem. Yeah. It's um, continuing to, to tell you that. And so the bond market is telling you that it's more likely that interest rates will fall in the next four years than rise. Now, part of that, I think, is linked to um, Brexit. So Brexit is the one thing that was come back to my note at the start. That we that was the sort of fourth thing we were thinking about, along with the vaccine, Brexit. Now, I'm I am- think... I'm sorry, Chris, I'm amazed it's taken us 10 minutes to get to Brexit. No, that's um... right. I want to do... One day I'm going to do a Brexit-free conversation. This is not that fun. I look forward to it with great 
eagerness. But this is not that conversation. So, um, so the so the Bank of England is still worried about Brexit not getting done, um, and so are markets, which is why I think you see this kind of negative. It's only very small, but but we think. For the record, you know, on the list of things that made us feel a bit more positive, we thought the US election would get resolved one way or the other, be a positive. A vaccine was coming. We didn't know when would be a positive. And we thought it was more likely or not something would get done on Brexit. And I think at the margin, the US election helps because, um, because you know, a Democrat president is going to be much less friendly to a UK government that does not get a deal done. So, yeah. Biden is, you know, versus a Trump, which is who would be much more sort of um, well, it's sympathetic, I think, to a UK that took the hard line. That Biden less so. So there's a little bit more pressure on the UK, and I think they're pretty close. And I think the EU wants to get a deal done. So again, I think we lean towards getting a deal done. So, so again, which is so the final piece of the jigsaw for us will be at some point UK assets trade pretty cheaply. Yeah. And at some point, we're going to want more of them. Now, we've been a little bit, we, we took the action on the on European equities and credit, but we've waited a bit to, to, for Brexit to get an inclination of a deal. But I think um, UK assets look a bit more attractive to us when we want to do that. But bringing it back to rates, sorry, which is where we started. Mm. So the story, interest rates, if you look at the, so that's why, so, so in the next, if you look at the curve or what markets are telling you, they don't think interest rates are going to rise anytime soon. And to put that into context, if you look at the market projection for the average interest rate for the next 10 years, so the average base rate, yeah. it thinks in 10 years' time, the interest rate will be about 0.6%. That's what the market's telling you. And today we're at 0.1%. And I'm talking about the bank base rate, basically. That's so you're going to go. Low. Yes, you're going to go from 0.1% stay like that for a few years as we get out of the hole we're in caused by the pandemic mm-hmm. and slowly rise up to 0.6. Now, we may live in a different world. Inflation may come, but but that's if I was talking to a client and I said, you know, this is how you should plan, I would plan on the basis of what the market's telling you and the market's telling you rates are not going up anytime soon. So that, that's good news for borrowers, not quite so good news for savers. Yes. Um, and suggests that investing in real assets is going to be the way to make money going forward. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't agree with you more because because I think the um, the challenge you've got is that in any short period of time you can sit in cash and that makes sense. And I, I totally understand that. But yeah, again, if you if you come back to that sort of so the average the interest rates are 0.1 now and they're going to 0.6 in 10 years time. So they say the average about 0.3 percent for the next 10 years. The challenge you've got is that inflation is expected to be a little bit over 2% for the next 10 years again from the markets. Now, there's a risk it goes higher, actually, but still, mm-hmm. let's just go with what markets think. So over a 10-year period, you're going to lose about you're going to lose about 2% a year, and that's 20% of your money yeah. if you sit in cash. And there aren't that many easy ways to avoid that because longer-term government bond yields, again, are very, very low, and even safe credit gets you about one percent above that but still you're going to be losing money to inflation so as you as you said i think you to beat inflation you've got to take a bit of risk these days i'm afraid it didn't mm-hmm. used to be like that by the way so in the, in the 2000s you used to be able to put your money on deposit and earn about five percent and inflation yes. was two percent mm. 
so but these days you put your money on deposit you make zero inflation's at two so so we see some opportunities I've, I've talked about the opportunity in corporate credit which i think is there because of the fiscal support from the, the government and as you said real assets so we, we look at on our side we look at renewables so some of the wind and solar stuff which i think also has the tailwind of government support and a more climate friendly agenda from from the government and um and some of the property stuff's quite interesting. Okay. So it's it's beaten up. It has obvious risks if things don't normalise. But some, you know, we look at some of these real estate investment trusts, which are listed property, and we own one for some of our clients, which is basically it'll give you an 11% yield today. Now you might think, well, that yield's not sustainable, and it doesn't have much in retail, by the way, and it's got obvious. Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe you're right, but still, an 11% yield versus 2% inflation, there's margin there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Say you yeah, only get 7 or 8% in, you, you've beaten inflation. So, and sometimes I think in this job, it's better not to overthink things. If you think if you think somebody's going to do the job, you should buy it. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Keep it keep it simple. Not not a bad mantra. Chris, I'm, I'm very grateful for your having um, spent some time with us this morning, and I appreciate the the views that you express for us. And um, Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. Appreciate it. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you found that useful. And if you want any further information, do make sure to check the resources on our website. And should you have any questions, make sure you get in touch. Thank you.